Dr. Malini, what do we know about sleep and the growing brain? Sleep is something so vital, a function in the body. It restores, it rejuvenates, it repairs, and it heals the brain and the rest of the body. So sleep doesn't mean you turn off the switch and all the systems shut down. Everything is passive in the brain. And if you look through the different phases of sleep, you'll understand why all these processes are important for the growing brain. And um, when I say growing brain, especially in the kid, the brain in the first four years of life uh, is so actively growing. The brain size uh, and weight at birth is about 400 grams. And then there's an exponential growth by four years, you gain about a thousand grams. Wow. So, And also if you measure the head size, the circumference, it is um, uh, about 35 centimeters at birth. And by the time you're one year, it's 47 centimeters. So there is such a a steep uh, and exponential curve during that time. So whatever good things you want to teach or learn, that's the best time actually. The brain contains the headquarters for the endocrine system, the immune system. Like, uh, all right, growth hormone is secreted in the part of the brain uh, called the pituitary gland. That's the master endocrine organ in the brain where all Mm -hmm. the hormones are produced. So sleep uh, releases growth hormone and you actually grow more during this restful stage. And then your immune system. People who are chronically sleep deprived often have poor immune system. They're prone to coughs, colds, their metabolic functions, uh, haywire, Mm. and you tend to get diseases related to the metabolic syndrome, your blood pressure, your blood sugar, everything goes out Mm. of control. Have you seen a rise in children with sleep issues over the past few years? And if so, what kind? In the US, uh, they looked at various statistics and they said that children less than 10 years old, but two thirds of them have got sleep uh, difficulties or sleep Ooh, problems. That's an incredible percentage amount, two-thirds under 10? Yeah, I mean, some could be just short-lived, like little things. They want to hug, they want to pee, they want to drink. You know, those are little mm. things and which are developmental, which will get, which will go away with time. But um, with the advent uh, of the World Wide Web uh, and gadgets, um, I think that also, also uh, affected sleep uh, in children. Um, and then also lifestyle of parents you can't just blame the internet and then lifestyle of parents both parents work they're stressed out parental fatigue come home late so the kids come home late so the lifestyle of what today's generation lead in a totally different world compared to what uh, we lived king yeah there is an increase yes Dr. Molly, what happens to a growing brain that doesn't get sufficient sleep? Because like I said, sleep is so vital. Um, It affects uh, not only physical uh, health, but also affects the cognitive health. So physical health, as I mentioned, um, immediate issues like growth. uh, Growth is affected, your height, weight. Sometimes uh, they either overeat, uh, which can happen because the hormones, endocrine system is also disrupted. So these kids tend to overeat, they're picky, uh, and then they're also very prone to cough and colds, you know, immune system is down, and then mental fatigue uh, sets in. Even with children, they get up in the morning, they're whining, they're grumpy, so the mood is affected, judgment is affected, even learning, you know, they don't perform well at school because uh, memory, concentration, attention uh, is all affected. So, well, they bring back, uh, you know, rotten grades from school, so you have to trace back. So when you're seeing a child in the clinic, uh, whatever, asking sleep is my routine question. 
you, you, you don't ask, they don't tell you, you know. What other kinds of issues arise from insufficient sleep or long-term sleep deprivation um, that I maybe think... show up a little bit later, perhaps? Yeah, for the adults, um, I mean, like I said, long-term chronic sleep uh, deprivation through childhood, adolescence, adulthood, you tend to get hypertension, obesity, diabetes, and um, or the um, um, and even mental health issues. You know, depression, anxiety, depression, even to the extent schizophrenia and um, bipolar diseases. All this all related to sleep as well. And uh, for the young children. Of course, the sleep deprivation, they can present not only with anxiety issues, they also will have, um, you know, things like nightmares, night terrors, um, restless, you know, they roll around, they kick around. Hmm. Um, so all those uh, movements uh, can also happen. Is it true that you can't catch up or make up lost sleep at the weekends? Long term, if this is a chronic persistent thing, it's not a good idea because the brain cells or the neurons um, start to die. And uh, when that happens, uh, the neurons, they shrink, they lose volume, and uh, that can affect your memory and your performance also at the end of the day. And uh, yeah, so it is, this catch-up sleep, me, doesn't exist in my books. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even my daughter does that. I say, I'm calling you, I can you pick up the phone at 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, <laughs> so you should be getting enough sleep that you are not sleeping until 10 or 11, right? That's excusable with the teenagers, adolescents, because they are going through a different physiological, biological phase. I mean, melatonin kicks in. The melatonin is a sleep hormone, and uh, that kicks in when the sun sets. So when the sun sets, the melatonin level starts rising, and when sun rises, the melatonin level falls. But in adolescence, the melatonin levels start climbing about two, three hours later. So they can't go to bed like eight, nine o'clock, wake up late, and they can't get up in the in the morning because their melatonin level hasn't fallen yet. It's when it's still high. Right now, my son is 14 and I'm still trying to kick him to bed by 830 because he gets tired with a brain meltdown after a day of school. But what I'm hearing you say is he's not ready to sleep until 10 p.m. Yeah. But then they have to wake up early and go to school. And you're saying, you know, they're not even ready for school then. So that means that they're not having enough sleep. Like, shouldn't schooling hours be changed then for teenagers? Yeah, that has been a talk, uh, especially in the States, you know, uh, teenagers should have school in the afternoons. Right. And if there was one concern or, or set of things, key things that you wanted every parent to know about getting good sleep, what would that be? I mean, my take-home message or mantra would be go back to basics and what we grew up with, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and (laughs) no shortcuts. You want to do that, how to live it? But I think that basically we just have to go back to that. In your experience as a doctor who treats so many young patients with all various kinds of sort of sleep-related issues, what are the game-changing things that if this is applied, you will see astounding results. Basically, establishing good sleep hygiene, you know. You have to change the clock. When I say sleep hygiene, there are those kids that sleep at 11, 12. So I tell the parents, just move the clock slowly backwards, you know. From 11 o'clock, try to bring it down to 9 o'clock slowly over two, three months. Uh, change his nap time if you can. Don't let him sleep two hours until 5, 6 o'clock. That's not on. Uh, I think that helps a great deal. And then even if they need to sleep some brain foods, they do promote sleep, like a glass of warm milk. I mean, we grew up, my mom always gave us 
a glass of warm milk before bedtime. I mean, there are other foods like even um, for so there are some kids who are or babies who are very hungry, you know, and they are breastfed babies. They usually get very hungry, especially when they are about like uh, one year, twelve months old. I mean, people stop night feeds. What you could do is give them some milk, put some oats or almond or banana and honey after the age of one. So that also is a good sleep aid. Other sleep aids and supplements like um, magnesium. Is that safe for children to take? Yeah, magnesium is fine. I mean, it's just, it's there in all our bodies, uh, in all our cells. And um, in fact, magnesium deficiency is not uncommon in uh, many of these metabolic syndromes, especially um, uh, even diabetes in autism children. So I, I do give uh, magnesium uh, to these children orally as well as uh, as a bath. Mm-hmm. If you go to bed, you sit in, it's like, it's basically Epsom salts. Right. Epsom salts are magnesium, uh, it contains magnesium sulfate. So you put in a bath, I ask these kids um, to sit in the bath. Uh, they have a ritual, you know, bath, bedtime, wind down, storybook time. I mean, all these little things do help uh, when they need to get to bed, to settle in. Mm-hmm. Some kids will, can take two hours to, before they hit the pillow. And then, of course, there's a risk. We also have to look out for um, obstructive sleep apnea, which is very common. Nowadays, as I said, Lots of kids have got allergy issues. So their yeah, adenoids and tonsils are big between the ages of one and four. Uh, and then they snore heavily. Again, asking questions like this during the sleep history. Mm. You ask the child, does your, so- your child snore? And if they've got a flu or, or a virus at that time, it makes it even worse. I mean, for those sorts of situations, Doc, where they are being stopped from having free and easy breathing in order to sleep, like, you know, with their na- nose blocked or whatever it is, what's your go-to recommendation for situations like that? Because it's all well and good talking about good sleep hygiene, but, you know, if you've got a kid who can't breathe through his nose because um, it's all stuffed up um, and they're struggling to sleep, what, what would you suggest? So you've got to address all those treatable causes first. Like... Um, Having a room that is warm, not too hot, not too cold, all that is important for sleep. Air conditioning throughout the whole night is not a good idea. And then make sure, you know, the room is not dusty, uh, pillows, all that, uh, you know, has to be cleaned and washed regularly, no carpets. All those are all the allergy part of the treatment. Mm-hmm. And um, aromatherapy may help in some people having some essential oil diffusers. Uh, these are simple home remedies or sleep aids that can be done. And then um, you can put like uh, some nasal decongestants around your nose, face, around your neck. All those little things that do help at home. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that's super important that I haven't sort of asked or touched on? Now, sleep is so important for cognitive function. I mean, it's so vital. It sustains life, literally. Because if all, all your body organs are dependent on good sleep, if you don't sleep, there's no life <laughs> at the end of the day. 